hey, there's a show you might want to know about. Now in its tenth season, Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom is a podcast about tragedy, triumph, unequal justice, and actual innocence. Based on the files of the lawyers who represent them, together with other criminal justice activists and experts, Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom features interviews with men and women who have spent years in prison for crimes they did not commit, some of them having even been sentenced to death. These are their stories. Look for Wrongful Conviction wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, how are you? Milwaukee, on Frenchman. Hola, Scene. On. 6.15 in the morning and we're going to work out. <laughs> Let me do that again. Scene. S. S. C. E. Scene. Scene on radio. Yeah, yeah, everything all right? Scene. On. Radio. Welcome to the very first episode of Seen on Radio, the podcast from CDS, the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University. I'm John Bewin. Before we get into it, what is this thing, Seen on Radio? We at CDS have been making documentaries for public radio shows for years. We're going to keep producing audio stories, but now first and foremost for this podcast, which will come out every other week. Stories that explore human experience and the society we're making for ourselves. As the name suggests, this show will very often traffic in scenes, stuff happening out in the world as opposed to lots of studio talk. Besides our new work, sometimes we'll bring you the best pieces made by our students. And you know everyone has to die on Earth, and then what if heaven gets too crowded or anything? <laughs> so there's no heaven? Yeah, I, I believe there's no heaven. Or we'll dip into the CDS radio archives. I have white pigs with black spots, black pigs with white spots, solid black pigs, solid red pigs, and solid white pigs. So I have like the Rainbow Coalition here. Our first batch of episodes is a series we call Contested, listening in on life in America through sports, one of this country's most powerful and inescapable cultural forces. If you're interested in sports, you'll want to stick around. If you couldn't care less, or if you actively hate sports, this may be the sports series for you. I guess in telling these stories, I'm trying to figure out, is the whole sports thing, as we know it, is it good for us? Stop the run! There's this idea about sports, that playing or cheering for your team that it's all a kind of social glue, a bridge across the usual divides of race and class, if only fleetingly. I believe it, sort of. It's a popular idea, even among presidents. You know, sometimes sports seems like it's trivial. Uh, it's just an entertainment. And then every once in a while, you're reminded that sports represents something else. And it has the power to bring people together uh, like almost nothing can. And That's President Obama at a White House celebration of the recent World Series champion, Boston Red Sox. 
Obama said that among other things, the success of the Sox united their city after the Boston Marathon bombing. With this sort of claim in mind, I headed to the greater St. Louis area, which of course includes Ferguson, Missouri. This was last October, that is, a couple of months after the shooting of the unarmed black teenager Michael Brown, and before the grand jury's non-indictment of the white officer who killed him, Darren Wilson. The St. Louis Cardinals, a perennial contender, were in the playoffs again. Maybe like the president's Red Sox the year before, the team's latest pennant drive would help to reunite the city in this difficult time. Tens of thousands of fans dressed in red descend on Bush Stadium in the heart of St. Louis. The Cardinals are about to take on the Dodgers in the National League Division Series. The guy drumming on overturned plastic buckets on a street corner just outside the stadium is African American. No surprise in a city that's half black. What's your name? Terry. Terry F. Wicks. Terry Wicks loves his Cardinals. No, I remember in 1982 when the Cardinals won the World Series against the Milwaukee Brewers. At that time I was uh, like 12 years old. And that was the first time that I saw that our city had something great, you know? But he doesn't have a ticket to the game. This is my job. Ballpark Village is jammed. It's a big complex of bars and restaurants right next to Bush Stadium. Thabiti Lewis is here with me. He's black, he grew up in the city, and was spending a year as a visiting professor here at Washington University. He talks about a controversy that erupted in the spring of 2014 when Ballpark Village opened, and some of its businesses announced a dress code. And a lot of it was targeted toward teens, maybe wearing oversized clothing or uh, tank tops. Or, a dress code will be enforced in at least eight of the bars and restaurants inside the village. No excessively long shirts, no profanity on the clothing, no sagging pants or exposed underwear on men. Plus, at a few businesses... It is the uh, sort of uh, coded uh, profiling that is problematic. And so these things send signals that, you know, there's a certain clientele that we that's not desired to be here. After some customers, both black and white, objected, the bars dropped the dress code. But today at Ballpark Village, for whatever reasons, faces of color are few and far between. I really feel like I'm in Portland, Oregon. I mean, it's really eerie to me. African-American attendance at Cardinals games has been sparse for years. Some say the team's racial makeup doesn't help. The number of black players has dwindled throughout baseball, but in the fall of 2014, the Cardinals didn't have a single African-American player on their active roster. Earl Austin Jr., the sports editor of the St. Louis American. The 1960s and the 1980s, I think you saw a lot of African-American players. I wasn't there during the 60s, but in the 80s, which is the Cardinal era, which I really identify with and I love. You had Ozzie Smith, you had Vince Coleman, Lonnie Smith in 1982, Willie McGee, Terry Pimbleton. Yeah, I have friends who, who, who have kind of you know tuned them out a little bit. They're still Cardinal fans, but not to the intensity that they were the past year. So yeah, that you know that hasn't gone unnoticed by by a segment of of, of folks. But then a lot of people once it's October, 
they're battling for World Series, battling for the championships, and it, it becomes, you know, it's your team again. On this game day, though, maybe the most noteworthy appearance by African Americans at Bush Stadium is a protest. My name is Mustafa Hussein with Argus Streaming News. Um, I have been live streaming the events in St. Louis surrounding um, the Michael Brown shooting. During the game I attended, Hussein shot 25 minutes of video that went viral in the following days. And it, it got pretty tense. In fact, it got ugly. The video showed about 25 mostly black demonstrators just outside Bush Stadium, chanting things like justice for Mike Brown, but also briefly, we want Darren Wilson, and how do we want him? Dead, like he left Mike Brown. Dozens of mostly white Cardinals fans stand nearby in the stadium's outdoor smoking area. One of the first things that I had heard in the smoking area was, you know, pro Darren Wilson chants. And then chanting uh, USA. At that point, someone began chanting Africa um, back at the demonstrators. Inside the stadium, things are more harmonious. I chat with a guy named Ryan Ayler, who's here with his wife and some friends. He's white, he's about 30 years old, and lives 45 minutes north of St. Louis. I ask him about the idea that sports brings communities together. I think it tries. I think that there still are. Really, inequalities in this world for different races, different sexes, what your beliefs are. But I think that brings that together. What about, what about this, this game here? I'm looking around. I think St. Louis is about 50% African-American, right? Right. Look around here. Who's here? Who's at the game? About 80% white. You think that's all? Probably 85 to 90. I would say that. Can I, can I get 95? I would say that a lot of the folks that are in yellow are African American. Those are who? Concession workers. Go, Go, They look like St. Louis. That's the. Uh, they look like East St. Louis. Yeah. That's Ryan's wife, Sarah, interjecting. You see, that's the term related to East St. Louis. Across the river. But but the term for St. Louis would be what you see. St. Louis has always been that way. It's always been a racially divided city. I think what you see is what you get, unfortunately. About 10 miles away in North St. Louis County, game day is much quieter. I stop in at a barber shop looking for Cardinals fans. Two young barbers with no customers at the moment step out for a smoke. This is Tony Henley. Primetime Barbershop, Ferguson, Missouri. I know that's what everybody wanted to hear. In Ferguson, Missouri. <laughs> Ground zero, what they call it. <laughs> Tony and his co-worker, Brandon Turner, are both 24. 
Both say they've been very involved in the street demonstrations since Michael Brown was shot dead. To them, the baseball game down by the river only matters so much. I'm a Cardinals fan because I'm from St. Louis, but I don't follow baseball too much. I know one thing, you can go to McDonald's, and just because the Cardinals playing, you can buy a Big Mac or a quarter pounder and get one for a quarter. You know, they're, they're a good team, though. I start following them around this time, around playoff time, you know what I mean? But it could, be, it could become a distraction if you let it be, you know what I mean? But right now, it's, it's, something, it's something bigger going on now in St. Louis than the Cardinals. You got bigger problems to deal with. This is Scene on Radio. Next time, more of our look at sports as a unifying force, or not so much, in St. Louis. We hang out with a high school basketball team. First, I think she didn't like me. She was like pretty mean on the mean side. She's actually super nice. Like at first, I thought she was some loud, obnoxious, like mean. And then I got to know her, and she's the complete opposite of that. So <laughs> it's kind of weird, like strange. Yeah. Please subscribe to the show on your podcast app or iTunes or Stitcher, or find out how at sceneonradio.org. Our series on sports and society, Contested, is made possible by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Scene on Radio comes from the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University.